guess he's, I guess they're telling us something. Awesome, 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 awesome. <clears throat> Playing your song, Oscar. It is my, it's my jam. <laughs> Welcome to Flipping Off, a purpose-driven podcast about flipping houses and making a difference. All right. Hey, uh, good morning. So here we are. We're, we're actually going to be filling in for Dave and Melina. This, uh, this time around, uh, we have Frank. Good morning. And Tim. Good morning. And myself. Hello, Oscar. Hey, guys. <clears throat> so good morning again. And here's what we're going to do today. And this is kind of the, the idea that I had. Um, a few weeks ago, we started a series. And for those of you guys that don't know out there, we actually go live every Tuesday at 1210. We really start our conversation at 12.12, so we call it the 12.12 show. It's on our Facebook fan page, so if you don't know what that is, check us out on Facebook, and you'll, you'll be able to see some of the previous episodes on our Facebook Live. And um, the three of us, uh, John is, is not with us this morning, but uh, we're on the board of advisors for the club, so we, we took it upon ourselves to start providing a little bit more education out there to people so they get to familiarize themselves with who we are, right, right. And, and what we do. So we started a series on... Creative acquisitions, uh, really cool stuff. We we do a lot of that that type of uh, those type of things. And so I wanted what I wanted to do is Tim and I did this transaction. I think Frank, you probably heard about it I did. Um, on what it entailed, and it was uh, it, it was interesting. But before we get into the nuts and bolts of that transaction, let's talk a little bit about creative acquisitions. So Frank, why don't you why don't you start us off? Well, um, on the creative side. Every time I'm talking to a homeowner, I always want to take their temperature and see where they are with that. You know, can we acquire this property subject to the existing mortgage? Are you open to carrying financing on this property? And my goal there is to create more spread um, for the offer and be able to save on money costs. Obviously, if we're not going to pay as much as money costs, we can cut those things in half by keeping an existing mortgage in place. Um, I'll share later with some different deals that I've done that were creative, but there's so many different things that you can do um, with that. And I think for the seller, giving them options um, instead of just a straight, what they might call lowball offer, you know, because, you know, their, their house, um, they just, the neighbor just sold their house for 350 and, <laughs> you know, like, well, um, you don't want to. You don't want to um, tell them that their house is not as nice as their neighbors. Right. <laughs> so, your, ho- your house is awesome. <laughs> yeah. So showing them the numbers, showing them the numbers, and giving them some options, uh, and then backing into those numbers to show them why, and letting them choose. Right. So they they have more control over the transaction, and they feel better about the decision. Where instead of I, if I, if I just said here's two hundred thousand, take it or leave it, you know, they're gonna leave it. So we want to build rapport, give them some options, let them know that we are on their side, on their side, and we want to create a win-win for for uh, this transaction. Yeah, right. very cool, Tim. Yeah, everything that Frank just said. I I also when when Frank says, you know, take their temperature and see what they're open to. I think the key is really to find out what they really need. You know, a lot of homeowners they don't they think that they need a bunch of money. Um, but at the end of the day, what they really need isn't going to cost as much money as maybe they think it's going to. And if we can get down to what they really need and show them that we care about getting them their needs met, uh, then we can maybe have a conversation with them about creative ways to get their needs met. And, uh, you know, obviously you're going to have that homeowner that, nope, I need my 200000 that's it. Um, and in those homeowners, maybe we can't be creative, but in, in homeowners that really understand 
what the, what they really need, right? Like a, a new place to live because they're getting ready to lose this one. Um, we're able to get creative and, and get those needs met. And I think that's the biggest thing is, you know, getting what they I'd, need. I'd love to hear an example of what somebody might want or need other than just cash. <laughs> yeah. Right? Way to I, set that up. Love that. Right? Yeah. So <laughs> a while back, uh, Tim, Tim approached me and said, hey, I got this opportunity that um, I think we can get creative on. So immediately I went into the space, you know, the same conversation Frank just had, right? Well, what do they need, right? And uh, in that conversation, uh, you know, Tim and I like to, I'll steal it from Tim because he's really the one that says this, but it's mine now. <laughs> you know, what value do we bring to these homeowners, right? Because right. that's really where, what it all boils down to. In, in any, any way, any opportunity that you can come across where you're going to create a, a solution, there has to be value that you bring to the, to the transaction or to, to that relationship. So <clears throat> that said, it's, it was in Hesperia, is that right? Yep. Hesperia is the one, the one that we're thinking about. <laughs> yeah, so he, he says, hey, look, uh, got this, uh, this opportunity. I'm meeting with the homeowner. Do you want to walk it with me? Let's take a look at it. I'm like, yeah, sure, you know, I'll, go, I'll go out there and take the ride. Buy lunch, we're good, right? So um, he didn't, by the way, but <laughs> different story. <clears throat> so anyhow, um, so we get out there, and definitely what Frank was saying, doesn't look like the other houses. Right. Um, structurally, maybe, but condition-wise, right, not so nice. Um, I think there were some challenges with the sun where, uh, I don't know, you want to share a little bit about the, that? The sun had um, anger issues, and every single wall in the house had big holes in them. Every single door in the house had big holes in them. Um, one of the dad's mattress was all cut to shreds like the son got in there and shredded. The dad was sleeping on a couch for the last three years because his mattress was trashed because of his son. Um, the house, it, it was a hoarder house. It was full of stuff. There was feces everywhere. This, the, uh, you know, animal feces. They had dogs. Um, there's probably some human in there too, I'm sure, but... Uh, so anyways, with that being said, I mean, this house was in really bad shape. Yeah. P probably in my, in my history, uh, the top three or four properties I've ever seen, this, this property was among the top that I've ever seen. As far as worst condition? Worst condition, right. yeah. Okay. <clears throat> and if I remember correctly, the son owned what he did. Oh, yeah. Because there were like badges of honor for him. Right. Like, like, I did that. That's my hole, right? Like, I, like... Whew. Look what I'm capable of, type thing. Right, right. I, you give me that look, Frank, but it's 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 true. So, <laughs> so you write his name, they autograph it. Son, son was a, it's almost was like a grown you, man. You could almost take pictures next to the hole and have him stand by it. He'd be proud yeah. of it. It's it's just bizarre, bizarre behavior. Uh, we, we say son, but he was a grown man. He was mid to late twenties. Right. The son was. Um, of course, the guy, the the father, the one we were working with, he was. Probably sixty. He was, he was around sixty, and he had a almost thirty-year-old son who completely trashed this house. Yeah, that was crazy. So, <clears throat> uh, sister was involved as well. Uh, yep, the owner's sister. The, well, the owner ended up having us contact the sister to, to communicate with her. Because um, the be property was inherited, right? The pro property was inherited from their mother. Um, the mother actually owned three properties. There was three siblings. 
this property was left to um, the son, which not not the son we've been talking about, but uh, there was two girls and one boy. This property was left to him. He was living in the property, but his sister was definitely the matriarch of the family, and he deferred all decisions to her, even though it was his house. He trusted her to make sure that we weren't trying to take advantage of him. So it was good. We wanted to keep another family member involved yep. so that we, um, you know, he has somebody looking over stuff and make sure yep. he's being treated Just a, right. a second set of eyes on Right. <clears throat> and, and she had a family attorney as well and right. so forth. So there was, there was some involvement there. <clears throat> so to your question, Frank, you know, um, what do they want other than money? Yeah. So I don't know, Tim, you, you go ahead and share what, what that looked like for him. To, well, to start out with, I mean, he wanted money. Um, mm-hmm. The house was owned outright. He, like I said, the house was left to him by his mother uh, probably, so it was like almost eight years before mom had passed away and left this property. It was paid paid off. And he had been in this situation where he couldn't, he couldn't afford to buy himself a new mattress. He couldn't pay the taxes. And this property was being, um, lo- like he was getting ready to lose this house. And he thought he just needed money. And I think when he first talk, started talking to us, he wanted like 60 or 70 grand for this house. And, and there was just no way that was going to happen. Mm-hmm. So um, we spent a lot of time talking to him and found out like, you know, I can give you, let's just say I give you 20 grand. And he's like, is that, he basically mm-hmm. was, that's all I can get. <clears throat> but we talked about like, so I give you 20 grand, but you're like, now you're homeless with $20,000. That, that doesn't really serve you. So what do you really need? And come down to it, he told me that what I really want is a, a motorhome. I want to be able to travel. Um, I, you know, I got some family up north. I'd love to be able to just go and, and then um, I can park this motorhome and, and go find somewhere to live. And I just want a motorhome I can live in and travel. So... Um, <laughs> so, so, so I walk the property, right? And we we find that he wants a motorhome. So you draft up. Well, you have a contract drafted. You draft <coughs> up, but obviously attorneys are involved and they draft right. up contracts and so forth. So the contract is drafted up. It's signed off. And then I receive a phone call from Tim. It says, "Hey, I think I got this under contract. We're good." I'm like, awesome. So how much do we need to pay? He goes, "Well, here's the cool part of it: is we don't have to pay." really anything to him in cash he just wants an rv hmm. right like, dude is that so a real rv or a matchbox rv <laughs> like, like something to live in oh okay. yeah <laughs> so i'm like all right cool we don't have an rv tim <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> details right details. so so now the quest starts for hey let's shop around for an rv right uh, let's let's fulfill the contract and <clears throat> Um, so, you know, earlier we were talking about how people get hung up on, I don't have the money, right, to, to get into this, into real estate. And I don't have the, you know, the financial backing, let's say, to, to pull the trigger on a deal. I mean, we didn't have an RV. <laughs> so uh, right. forget the money. Uh, now, it's, now it's the money and the RV to, to get things done. So uh, let's talk up a little bit about the RV adventure because that, that was. So we figured. We were figuring about $20,000 is where we could spend and still make the deal make sense. So we went and we, we started searching for these RVs, and we were able to even create more spread for, for ourselves by negotiating that RV. 
So we found it was like a 1999 really nice RV. It had um, the owner had some really hard times with the uh, electrical system on it. He couldn't get the blinkers to work and, and things like that. Um, so we were able to negotiate that down. We ended up buying that for right at $9,000 and then took it up to my parents' house. My dad helped me tear the thing apart. And we, I figured even if we have to spend like 10 grand on electrical stuff and re run electricity through this whole thing, we'll be fine. But um, we found one bad part, took the part out, cleaned it up, cleaned all the connections, put it back in, everything worked fine. And um, it took us about three hours to, to troubleshoot that and find it. And basically, we bought the motorhome for, at the end of the day, we bought the motorhome for nine grand, gave it to the guy, and took ownership of his house. Hmm, so it didn't spend 10 grand cleaning that part. Nope. No. <laughs> right. No. No, we probably a few. My hundred. dad tried to get me to write him a check. I said, no way. <laughs> yeah. Dad got, <laughs> tried to get 10 grand from you? Yeah. It was probably, a, I think, six or seven hundred bucks in some additional maintenance that had to be done to the RV to make sure that it was. Yeah. We, essentially, we had it. It's like buying a used car, right? So <coughs> you want to have the once over on it, make sure mechanically everything is right. sound, everything is working yeah. properly. And so yeah, we had it smogged. We um, we did maintenance on it, uh, new oil change, all that kind of stuff. So oh, there I was some additional cost. When there. it's all said and done, it's probably about ten grand. Right. Right. To to to. <laughs> I see a new business for you, Tim. Flipping Tim, Tim, Tim John Motor Coaches. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't want to do that again, really. But, but it was a fun deal to. I don't want to do that again. <laughs> it was really a fun deal to put together. You know, it was. Uh, it's uh, yeah, it's probably one of my favorite I, stories. I still have a video of that when, I was, when I'm following the RV because we're gonna go deliver it. Oh yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, I got a little confused on that one when you were looking at the RVs. I was like, Is Tim gonna flip RVs now? What is he doing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then gonna... you told me after, like, no, it's a screed of. Oh, interesting. That's really creative. Nice job. <laughs> so flipped, a, flipped an RV into a house. Right. Nice. That's pretty cool. Uh, it's cool. And so the final outcome of the house, though, right, was? We ended up wholesaling that property. Um, at the end of the day, when all was said and done, uh, the, he had back taxes that had to be paid. So we paid the back taxes, obviously. So um, when all was said and done, I think we were at 22000 total, which was his back taxes and the RV and, and maintenance on it. And then we wholesaled it for um, 58, I think. Mm -hmm. So almost 60 is what we wholesaled it for. And um, the we wholesaled it to a club member. That club member went and did the rehab. And uh, I don't, I'm not sure. I know he flipped it, but I don't know what, what his numbers were. But we wholesaled it to him. And I know that he made money on the deal because um, I just don't know how much. Mm. Yeah. Nice. So, and I guess really the moral of the story here, right, is that um, that's a great example of being able to create the opportunity. Right. I won't say out of thin air, right, but pretty doggone <clears throat> close. Out of RV air? I don't know. <laughs> right. Because, you know, in, in working with this homeowner, if we would have just came in and said, look, we can give you 20 grand, and out of that 20 grand, you're going to have to pay your, the back taxes, and you're going to walk away with about 10. Um, first of all, he would have never been able to go and find, he probably could have bought a mobile, a motor home for 10 grand, but not the quality that we were able to get him. Cause you know, he could have bought a 1978, <laughs> you know, motor home and it, it would have worked and served his purposes, but we've got him a really nice, uh, bounder. It was really nice. And, um, he wouldn't have been able, like, he wouldn't have been able to do that. So we were able to put him in a much better position. And if we would have just said that, 
he would have not moved forward with us and probably would have lost that house um, to a tax sale or, or it, you know, something else and would have ended up, you know, just on the street or living with his sister, but she didn't want that. Nice. Yeah, and I remember that we had to, um, <clears throat> we essentially had to come in and make sure that the taxes were paid off with sufficient time so that he wouldn't lose it. Right. Right. So it was a very, very time-sensitive transaction that, that need to happen pretty quick. And so, again, it's um, in, in the market that we're in, right, there's always opportunity to create things uh, versus, because that's an example of one that I think the average person would have walked away from because they wouldn't have been able to see the play there. And I'm confident that just from meeting him and understanding the space that he was in, that he wouldn't have accepted anything other than what he really wanted and needed. Right. Right. And so pushing cash on him wasn't the solution because he was actually going to be left, I guess, uh, homeless rich. <laughs> right. Uh, to, to a certain extent. So... Very, very cool example. So now I know, Frank, you've done some other creative things in the past. So why don't you, let's, let's talk a little bit about <clears throat> maybe the thought process behind it. Because you shared a little bit already about uh, being able to identify from the homeowner what they need, right? Yeah. But there's also a piece that, uh, that we haven't talked about yet of what we go through on our end to, once we identify what the challenge is for the homeowner, how we formulate things and how we put things together that make sense for everybody, right? Because we want to make it a win-win for everyone. That's right. Yeah, a lot of times, like with the RV, what their goal is when selling is having enough to get into another place, move, relocate. And I was working with one, <clears throat> or they wanted to relocate to another state, and the timing of everything was going to be difficult when they wanted to move. They had a sick um, family member, so they wanted to move immediately, but we couldn't close immediately um, on the property because there were some issues. So um, we negotiated where we would give them money to move. We would keep the property uh, subject to their existing mortgage. And that existing mortgage that was on there, the balance of the purchase price um, was going to come to them when we closed. So they got an early release and they moved. Got an early release and then they moved and then we closed the transaction with a combination of subject to and a hard money loan because that it wasn't enough to get them out of the property. But the 20000 was enough to get them to move, meet their need. And it was good timing for them. Um, I think it's their family member that was sick. And the reason, the whole reason they were moving, uh, they got there and they weren't there for long. And that family member passed. So we were able to get them there as quickly as they could, be with that family member while they relocated to, you know, uh, kind of help with that family transition from um, losing that family member and, and they relocated and worked out worked out really great and we did the flip and and we sold it but um, it was it was you know when you're dealing with the homeowner and you're building rapport with them and they're in an, a position where you know life's hitting them for some reason there's things that happen and there's nobody in their family or you know a cash offer is not going to do it exactly so when we can build rapport, get trust that they'll allow us to keep that property uh, subject to, because they, they normally, you can't get a property with creative finance in place if that homeowner doesn't trust you and believe that you have their best interests. At. Right. So that's a huge part of the process. Um, but, you know, we're able to do that. Yeah, that's a great point that, um, <clears throat> you know, a, a lot of folks look at, at the house 
and they forget, right? We talked about this a few weeks ago in, in our live session that people forget that you need a, a willing participant, <laughs> right. also known as the homeowner, right? <coughs> they, they have to, to your point, Frank, they have to be willing to work with you and you have to be able to, I'm not going to say convince or sell or any of that. It's, it really is showing up who you really are and they accept who you are and are willing to work with you because you're, you've proved through them through your actions, through the process, that you are your word, mm -hmm. right? Which is really what it boils down to is you have to, if you say ABC, then ABC is what happens, right? You don't drift off somewhere else or lose communication where I see a lot of folks that get started in real estate, that's the piece that they lack, right? And unfortunately, the, the fortune's in the follow-up. Right, and if you're not connected, you don't stay connected with the homeowner, and continue to build that credibility and that value that you bring, then it becomes a, it becomes an issue. So, I uh, completely agree. Yeah, I um, <clears throat> one of the things I always get when we you know when we work with new newer club members or uh, newer investors that don't, you know, they maybe don't have the confidence or even maybe not even the know-how to go out and structure something creative you know frank frank has tossed around words uh, subject to um you know hard money things like that that sometimes people don't really know what subject to actually means i mean i i can't i think back to a class we had and somebody actually raised their hand and they're like uh, so we, we ask them what their answer what their question is and they're like so we're talking about subject two what is subject one so people don't really understand what subject two, what subject two actually means, and that's, and that's okay. So the question I always get from people is like, how do I do this if I don't know? And I think what it comes down to is you've got to be really good at, we keep saying it over and over and over again, you've got to get good at finding out what the homeowner needs. And then it's a really simple question, right? If, if it's a matter of, you know what, I need, uh, need $20,000 because I really need a motorhome. Okay, well, here's the real simple question. So you really need a motorhome? Yes, okay. If I can come up with a creative way to get you that motorhome, are you open to that? And if they say anything other than no, I just want 20 grand, they say yes. If they say, what does that look like? Then reach out to a, a senior investor and say, well, let, let, us, let me get with my business partner and let's come back. And then some Oscar or Frank or myself, we can go back and talk to the homeowner and maybe structure something with them as long as that homeowner is open. Yeah, and that's, that's a great point as well because you know, we've been talking about it here recently at the club that um, we, we're, we're going to continue to work with people and help them understand when it's time for them to bring one of us in. Um, and it's, you definitely have to learn, right? Uh, the timing, the language, and so forth. So we're gonna work with a lot of folks to, to get them to that point because we know that it, it can be challenging because uh, we have a tendency as people to want to be able to provide all the answers. And oftentimes you need to be able to step back, especially if you want to walk down the creative side of things, you have to be able to stop and, and bring someone with more experience that's going to be able to take this and see it through to the end versus you trying to get through it and then causing more headaches and more problems, right? I mean, you've seen it, Frank, where people kind of step all over the, the transaction and... <laughs> yeah, that definitely. Um, maybe they heard something on another... Um, transaction, so they introduced that language from that other transaction, and it didn't apply. Um, so we have to undo that, and then we lose credibility and often lose the deal when you start to say things that you've heard and you're not sure exactly why they said that or how that um, 
scenario apply to that deal, but you heard it, then you, it looks similar. You know, uh, there's a lot of examples that I can, I can give that's too, there's just too many. So introducing the, um, coach into the scenario as early as possible and also having that balance, you know, is this, is this actually a motivated seller? Right. Um, <clears throat> but that comes with experience, even for the student, just sitting in on those meetings, um, listening to what's taking place, and then being able to identify specifically was and then asking the right questions. Like, you've seen this, and then saying, did, did this mean here be, because of whatever the situation was, right? Like, did you offer that because why? You know, was it a reverse mortgage? Can you do that? Though all those questions are better than, well, I think this is what I heard. Let me let me go verify after I already commit to it with the seller. Yeah, that doesn't work. We're gonna right. probably lose the deal. So, um, and then you know, I know if you don't know what you're talking about, and you're talking to a seller, and you're hodge, you're mixing and matching words and trying to sell like you sound like you know what you're doing. The homeowner is gonna see right through that. I know when somebody's telling me something that's that they're not 100% confident about. You know, you can read body language and just the their tone, the tone of voice. So, you already lost um, credibility for us. You know. Right. Yeah, that's key because you need to be able to, <clears throat> uh, the better job people do in establishing credibility and rapport with those sellers, the easier it is for us to step in and close the deal, right? Mm -hmm. That's really what it boils down to because uh, if not, <clears throat> and what, what I heard Frank saying was, we have to come in now and overcome all of this. And the odds of us overcoming things that you've, someone has already committed to that are like completely off base, then slim to none, right? It's very difficult for us to overcome things, over-promising, under-delivering, all those things come, come to mind. So uh, I think for everybody out there listening, you need to just uh, really understand that you're not alone unless you choose to be alone out <laughs> there, right? And for the club members, reach out. We're all available. We'll make ourselves available. All the coaching staff makes themselves available to, to be able to support and, and walk with, with you through things. Um, and then I, what I heard Frank say as well was that when you're involved in a, in a transaction like that where one of us steps in and is having that conversation with the homeowner, pay attention. Listen. Be quiet. Listen to everything that's said, right? Just be the fly on the wall yeah. and take it all in and then ask your questions later because the language we use, the words that are used, right, the tone we use, it's all with a purpose because we, we're, we're feeding off of that homeowner to make sure that we communicate with them the best way possible so that it's clear for them. And we're listening for what the homeowner's not even saying. Right. Right? Because that's, you know, I, I don't mind doing phone calls with homeowners, but I'd much rather do them in person. Because I get to read that person better. I get to see what they're going through. I get to see the actual raw emotions. And I understand, right, where, where they need to be. Not in, for any other reason other than I need to be able to give them the solution that's best for them. Right? So uh, good stuff. Good stuff. So what, else, what other nuggets you guys have out there for people? I can. I mean, I want to go back to the question that you asked, Frank, which is um, – you talked about when is the right time to reach out. And for me, probably the worst timing for somebody to reach out is when it's too late, right? <laughs> so I would, right, and, and that, that, that changes every, every time. But at the end of the day, 
I think we have this tendency as as human to want to like like Oscar said, you want to know, you want to show the homeowner that you know the, all the right answers. And I would much rather somebody bring me in early and have it be the wrong time because it's way too early than to bring me in too late. Right. Because if it's too early and it's not a deal, then okay, so we waste a little bit of time. As long as you're coachable and can hear my conversation with you as to why it's too early and you're going to learn through that process, I would much rather blow a lead that isn't a deal than to blow something that could have been a deal, but you were too prideful to reach out uh, too soon. So that's my take that you should reach out, you know, as soon as you feel stuck, don't, don't, don't hesitate to reach out and, and we'll, we'll coach you through that. So that, that would be my answer to, you know, when do we reach out? Yeah. As soon yeah. as you feel stuck. Yeah. We, when we're talking with the student and, is there a, <clears throat> if it's a sense of being too prideful or they don't want to waste our time, because maybe they have in the past, <laughs> there's something like, well, this wasn't even close to being uh, a lead, right? <laughs> so, but that's that's easier to deal with, right? When they present something way too early that's not even, you shouldn't even be sitting there, but then you can point out why, and then they'll understand that they can grow. So I'd rather experience that instead of, like you mentioned, you're, you've brought them in too late, this could have been a deal, that's much more painful. Right. And, you know, we're, we're their coaches, and there's oftentimes where it's not even a lead or a deal. They're just asking about some, you know, instance. So if they have a question or they want to bring um, their, like their first lead, right, that's their first lead, they just got out of class, and they're not sure of the time. It's like as soon as you have one, just bring it, and then you'll right. learn through that process, the timing, and as well learn what you should be saying by bringing me in early. Anyway, right. so... Yeah, you know, I, I like that, what you just said about learn what you need to be saying because you brought me in early. Mm -hmm. Because <clears throat> here recently we've had a, a, a situations where we get the word that the homeowner's ready to go, they're selling, that's what it's all about, right? And then Tim or I or both of us get on the call with the homeowner, and it's like the complete opposite, right? Like, nope, I want to keep my house. Okay, cool. We'll help you with that. But so there's a miss there, right? Right. And um, one of the things that, that stands out for me is when that miss happens, it's, it's usually because we're so focused on an outcome, right? We're not really listening to what they need or want. And we're focused on this is, looks like a viable opportunity. Mm -hmm. This is what the profit looks like. I already did all the numbers. Everything looks great. You want to sell, <laughs> right? right? Yeah, and and you kind of um, I'll use the term a lighter term of you shoehorn people into yeah yeah a yes mm -hmm. when reality it's no I really want to keep my house yeah but I don't know how to say no to you yeah right I I, I know I who was I I talked to I think I've said it many times to my students like so you have to assume that they're keeping their house. Yeah. Right, you have to assume that it's not listed. There's not a for sale by owner sign in the yard, and you know we're reaching out to them. They're in foreclosure, and they have not listed the property, and it's not for sale by owner. Yet. <coughs> so you have to assume that they want to keep their house. So you want to jump on board where they're at in the process, and help them out with any resources that might, they might need. And in the background, you make sure you let them know if all else fails, I'm here. I can help to purchase a property. We don't want to wait till the last minute. Let's make a really um, focus effort on getting the papers together 
to save your house so that we can get an outcome and an answer on if that's going to be possible and not wait to the last minute, which you know, we know homeowners in foreclosure want to wait to the last minute and they don't want to get the answer of no, right? If they knew 100% they were going to get a yes, they could keep their house, they'd file that paperwork today. Mm-hmm. But they're so <laughs> afraid of the answer being no, so they wait and wait and they actually put themselves into a position where it's going to be no because you waited too long. So we need to come alongside that homeowner, you know, whether we're working with a student or we're out there on their own, and talk them through that process, assume they want to keep their house. And when we tell them what we're doing, that we're investors, they'll, they'll, they'll let us know so long as we're clear about what we do. Right. Yeah, because yeah, I tell you, as, uh, starting out in this business, it was, it was an eye-opener, when you, for me anyways, when, when I realized that I was giving them a lot of information, so much so that the thing that I didn't share with them is that I bought houses, right? That I that I could be part of that solution by acquiring the property, right? And then I'm I, I would sit back and try to figure out what happened, what did I miss, what did I say wrong, did I not talk about what we actually do, how we serve them, you know, just going through circles, and then why did they list it with a, with an agent when I could have helped them with that? And then after a few instances, I realized, oh yeah, they didn't know that. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't, I didn't tell him. <laughs> yeah, that's Apparently, what, I did everything but that. Yeah, that's the one thing you don't want to hear from the homeowner. Oh, you buy houses? I would have totally sold it to you, but yeah, you didn't tell me. I like me. you. <laughs> right. I, I, I really like you. I would have done it. Yeah, <laughs> I would, And I would have sold it to you for cheap. I like you so much. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's right? horrible. Yeah. It's, <laughs> but it takes a few of those to realize, huh, maybe I have to change something. Right. <laughs> exactly. So, no, that's good, good stuff. So, any saved rounds? Any last... Uh, no, um, I mean, this conversation can go on for days. I think that's yeah, the sure. reason why we have, um, why we did the series for the 1212, and we might even readdress this on future podcasts, but um, I think yeah, yeah. I think we kind of right. have reached a good spot. to. Very cool. So we'll call this a wrap, guys. Uh, awesome. Appreciate you guys hanging out with me and uh, had some good laughs. So uh, <laughs> hey, everybody out there, just tune back in. Keep up with the podcasts. You know, we're... We're pumping them out as much as we can, and tune into our Facebook Live on our fan page, and uh, we'll. Uh, Josh just said he's buying lunch. Nice, boom! Look at that. I, Bonus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, take care. We'll tune in next time. All right, thanks for having me, guys.